In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Today is the second Sunday of Missouri, and the gospel reading is from Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 39. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And the scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then they said to him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? And he said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and they will fast in those days. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece of a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new one makes a tear, and also a piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst and the wineskins will be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says, the old is better. And glory be to God forever. Amen. As stated, today is the second Sunday in Missouri, and today's gospel reading is according to St. Luke, which talks about the very unique calling of Levi, who was also known, of course, as St. Matthew. The story is also described in the Gospels of St. Matthew and Mark as well. After the healing of the paralyzed man who was lowered through the roof, the Lord walked out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in his office, doing his work like usual. With no introduction and no further discussion, he tells St. Matthew to follow him. Now, Levi, or St. Matthew, who was a tax collector, and tax collectors, or publicans as they were called, were known as not being the most moral people. They were known to be people who had very greedy desires and ambitions for money and profit, even when obtaining it unjustly. So they were dishonest people who were always seeking to take things that were not theirs. They were agents of Israel's oppressors and rulers, collecting taxes, of course, for the Romans. Maybe they also were known to skim a little bit off the top for themselves as they collected the taxes for the Romans. So as they collected, they collected a little extra and maybe pocketed that money. So it was a type of robbery under the cover of law. So later when Christ had dinner, uh, after he asked St. Matthew to follow him and Matthew accepted, he has dinner at his house. There were also many people gathered there who were also tax collectors and sinners, according to the Pharisees, because many of the Pharisees couldn't bear the fact that Christ was eating and drinking with such people. But in a very mysterious way, as Christ was walking by, he asked St. Matthew to follow him. He lovingly glances at St. Matthew and asks him to become his disciple. This glance or this gaze that Christ gave was able to overcome many things in an instant of time. It overcame the presence of the Romans who were probably there guarding the taxes. It overcame the ridicule of those around St. Matthew because St. Matthew was rejected because of his profession. It overcame the guilt that St. Matthew was probably feeling because of his job. 
his love and his pierce, um, his, his gaze pierced through all of that, and it came into the heart immediately of St. Matthew. But just as mysteriously was Matthew's response. Imme immediately he obeys. St. Matthew leaves all, all of his profession while working in his office. He leaves all and follows Christ immediately. He leaves the money. He leaves the injustice and the so-called stability of his job. Uh, he leaves all of that in a second with Christ's uh, simple request. It may be difficult, therefore, for many to comprehend both the calling of St. Matthew and the response of St. Matthew. In this story, both the calling and St. Matthew's response were very unusual. They were strange, mysterious, because they were the work of God. It was the result of the work of God. So let's look at God's calling and the response of his calling, uh, both uh, you know, in today's story of St. Matthew, but also in our own lives as well. So God's calling has different definitions or different layers. You can look at them as layers. There's the calling in the things that are secular, right? What career should we have? What employment should we seek? What company should we work for or agency? What person shall I marry? Where should I live? What neighborhood should I move to? It can also be a calling to serve God in the church. Sunday school, should I serve on the church board? Should I be a deacon at church? Or even should I be a priest or a monk in a monastery? In the case of St. Matthew, it was to become a disciple. These callings are unique and differ from person to person, of course. And many spend a lot of effort and thinking and energy on these decisions, asking, what is God's will for me? What is his calling for me? But there's a kind of calling that is underneath all of these other callings, a calling to be performed at the same time as the others and is the same for everyone. It's also more important than all the other callings of what we should do in this life, even as in today's case, to be a disciple, even more important than that. This calling is a simple one that applies to everyone. It is the calling to be with God as he wants to be with us. He wants us to be with him. This is what St. Matthew's calling was before he was called to be a disciple. When he called St. Matthew and went and dined with him, at a very personal level, at his house and at his table, showing Christ's desire to be with him more than desiring St. Matthew's services as a disciple, he desired to be with St. Matthew. This calling is a very powerful one, and it's a calling of all callings. The calling is to share in his love as his children. The calling is even more powerful when we consider who we are as sinners, right? All three synoptic gospels of St. Matthew, Mark, and Luke emphasize this story and emphasize something that we may glance over without noticing, that St. Matthew was sitting in his office conducting his sinful life as normal, like every day. Keep in mind that St. Matthew, who wrote, of course, the gospel according to St. Matthew, writes this story about himself, that he was, the most miserable, he was in the most miserable of conditions when Christ called him. So it's as if St. Matthew is telling us in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, I wasn't called to be with Christ after I had offered a sacrifice of everything I had or repented of my evil lifestyle. But while I was in the middle of it, in the very office working, Christ called me. This is very similar, of course, of, um, to how Christ called St. Paul to follow him while traveling on the very road to persecute and kill Christians. Christ appeared to him and called him. St. Paul was ranting and raging and breathing fire on the believers. He himself talks about this in Galatians. 
For he says, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. It's always humbling for me when I hear of St. Matthew writing about these shortcomings about himself or St. Paul writing about these shortcomings about themselves. They didn't try to hide it, but they proclaimed it that in the midst of their sinful life, that's when God came to them. That's when Christ came to them in a very personal level with that gaze that he gave to St. Matthew that um, pierced through all of the, um, the problems in our life, all the sinful uh, problems in our life and calls us. Or it's also the same with uh, Zacchaeus, right? Who was also a tax collector. Christ called him in an instant while still in his profession. And there's other examples of sinful people that Christ called and accepted uh, them in their current condition. Um, we're all struggling to repent, but yet still Christ loves us and wants to be with us in our current condition um, so that he can raise us up. In all of these cases, right? All of these examples, and there's more, that he was not scandalized or ashamed of them in their current condition. He gave no consideration of what others thought of them. Those who would dominate over their, you know, over the guilt of sinners as though they had some kind of moral superiority. He didn't care about all that. But he accepts them and utters the call with his blessed voice to come and be with him and has an intimate meal with him at his house and at his table. And this is the call for all of us. He wants to give us that same look. And he, he's walking by in our church daily. He's walking by in our life on a daily basis. And he looks at us and he gives us that call to be with him, no matter what the reality is of our life or how shameful or troubling it is or how far it is from glory, right? God still wants to be with us. God knows our weaknesses, our shame, our sinful condition, but he's not scandalized by them. He doesn't condemn us and calls us to be with him all the same. In Psalm chapter, um, chapter 103, uh, verses 13 and 14, it says, As a father pities his children, the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He gives us means by which we can be with him in this life and forever. He gives us his words as an example. He gives us his words through Holy Scripture that we may know him. He gives us his holy body through the Eucharist that we could be one with him. He gives us a renewed human nature through baptism so that we have the right to be called God's children. He gives us his Holy Spirit through the chrismation that we receive after baptism so we can always find him near to us, more than just at our house or at our table, but even inside of us. He's not far from us. He gives us the lives of those who have gone before us, the saints, like the church fathers and all the other saints and the martyrs, so that we can learn more about him and follow in their footsteps. He gives us our own personal experiences with him, that we can grow in our relationship with him and the calling that he has given us to know him and to be with him as he wants to be with us. This is our calling, that we should live in, and if we don't, we have missed the calling. To be with him and to be with the fellow believers in unity is the greatest of all callings. St. Paul in Ephesians says in chapter 4, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. This is our calling. All other callings pale in comparison and fall short of this glory. But just as we've looked at this blessed calling, let's also look at our necessary response to the calling. This simple but important calling is made to everyone. But there are some who respond to it and others who do not. He'll never infringe on the divine quality that he gives us of free will. So we must respond of our own free will. Some do not respond and some do. Many find it difficult to respond to this amazing and powerful calling that's too good to be true. To be with God in an intimate and loving relationship. St. Matthew, on the other hand, was obedient. He didn't argue. He didn't say, what is this? You want me to leave just um, while I'm working here in my office in the middle of my workday? Neither did he doubt his love saying, this is a false calling because he doesn't really know how sinful I really am. But he recognizes who Christ is and he recognizes that this is a true calling and that he does know me and yet is still calling me. This is very amazing and speaks to both the response of St. Matthew, but more importantly speaks to Christ's power of the calling. Around St. Matthew, from his own community, were those who shunned and ridiculed him. Christ afterwards ate at the very house and table of St. Matthew, along with his friends, the other tax collectors. While at the feast of his house, the Pharisees complained, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? Elsewhere in Luke, he was called a glutton and a winebiber a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But he overlooked all of this to accomplish what he was sent to do, to call all to himself. If the Son of God, therefore, humbles himself for our sake, coming down to earth from heaven to endure such shameful words as this and many other shameful things that people did to him, uh, besides what we read today, so that those who come to him he will accept and not cast out, how can we not be the same, right? God forbid that we should be like the Pharisee, full of pride and judgments, hindering others from the call that they are to be receiving, to be with God. There is no room for judgments in a church. May this church, of course, be a church for the repentant sinners and not the prideful, self-righteous people. Which is why Christ responds later in today's reading, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The church is like a hospital where the true physician resides, and only those who are sick are there. If someone thinks that they are not sick or sinful and come to judge others, they don't belong at a church. God calls all to be with him, and we as his servants have to support this calling to all and not set up obstacles through judgment and pride. But thank God that his calling to have a relationship with him and eternal life is to us who are sinners, to love him, to abandon our sins, to grow in oneness with him in repentance, to become his children. This is our ultimate calling that we have to respond to, just like St. Matthew does in today's reading. This calling happens to all of us daily, but we need to respond to it. There is an example in the book of Acts where God's calling to be with him was passed on. um, And we read in in Acts, when St. Paul was speaking to King Agrippa, you begin to see the Holy Spirit working in the heart of King Agrippa. So much so that the king says, you almost persuade me to become Christian. But because he didn't act on this, because he didn't respond, 
we don't hear of anything else regarding him becoming Christian. So he passed on the calling. Similarly, the story of the rich man who came to follow Christ, but he was turned away because he loved his own riches more than he loved the calling to be with God. Which is why Christ says, For many are called, but few are chosen. Responding to God's calling is the most important thing that we could do in our life. There can be obstacles to overcome, of course, such as giving too much value to the cares of this world, or being afraid of the ridicule of others. These, of course, are illusions because nothing is more important than to be with God, who is the source of a truly blessed and happy life, where the other things are not. They cause misery, pain, and disappointment. So may we all recognize that amazing loving call to be with God, to respond to it, and to never be like the Pharisees who hinder others from obtaining that call. May God grant us three things that we read today. That we receive and recognize that loving and accepting gaze and look from Christ, and to hear his blessed voice saying, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Second, to never be like the Pharisees who hinder others from obtaining that call, that we should always welcome everyone with no judgment or no pride. And finally, to grant us the movement in our own hearts to respond daily to the work of the Holy Spirit, to the glory of his name, now and forever, and unto the ages of all ages. Amen.